When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. Odd combination. Yeah, well, so are my parents. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Mackey and Judd in the TCL broadcast studios. Judd's on vacation the rest of the week. So today, Tom Pelissero from NFL Network is in. We're talking a ton of football. Myron Medcalf tomorrow. And then from the Venture Bank Minnesota Golf Show on Friday, Chris Long will be out there with us. And uh, Monday, I believe Matthew Collar. So we're gonna we're gonna have uh, an array of Judd replacements here, but nothing can replace Judd like the Juddbot three thousand, which has a lot of thoughts that Judd Zolgad would have had if he were here today about the Wild Rangers game last night. Here's the issue with this team: you're at home against the Rangers, who are a bad team. You take a three to nothing lead, which you should. Good for you. Now it's time to step on their throats. Not let them get back in the game like this bunch of dogs always does. I don't know how Boudreaux does it. Honest to God. To have to watch that entire second period, you give up 19 shots. I honestly have no idea how he doesn't just kill the entire group. They won the game. I don't know. It seems a little over the top. Here's my problem with the Wild. The problem is this. This team simply cannot put a complete game together for three periods. There's always one period where they play like absolute crap. Seems a little harsh. They they moved up in the standings last night. I don't know. Judd bought 3,000, not very happy. Like the real Judd, never a victory he hasn't wanted to rip. Never. Uh, people are Does asking, the Judd bot have any input on Valentine's Day? That's another, uh, that's another topic that Judd is uh, very passionate about. Actually, we should check in later with the Juddbot 3000 to see if there's any Valentine's Day thoughts. I'd be very I curious. I think we can make that sure. happen. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll ask Juddbot, see if he can uh, come up with the Well, thoughts. speaking of uh, of the Juddbot 3000, this might this might be another topic. People are asking about the doubles luge competition that we've been watching all morning. <laughs> and speaking of Valentine's Day. Uh, exactly. Nothing like getting really close to your partner going 80 miles an hour and as Andrew tweets in, are there mesh shorts involved in doubles luge? No, <laughs> head to toe spandex, very, right? Very tight, thin spandex. I would hope that there's never mesh shorts involved in the doubles luge, especially going 80 miles an hour. You never know what could fly out of those mesh shorts. Just gonna, just gonna throw that out there. It'd be dangerous. Yes. Um, so we're gonna check in with Wetmore in Fort Myers in about 10 or 15 minutes. But so we did two touch them all podcasts yesterday. You can hear one of them sort of the should they have gone in further on you Darvish. Yeah, those microphones need to be. Uh, it, it doesn't stay up. No, it's well, if you put it upright, are we still talking about doubles luge? <laughs> all right. So moving on. 
Sorry, I didn't mean to disturb you. No, no, no. I just don't like having to hold the microphone the entire show. I think you can tighten the screws, or maybe we can get it I feel like I'm the bottom on the doubles luge here. You are. I'm just holding on for dear life to get through this show while you lead the way. Metaphorically speaking, you are, yes. So we've been grinding these twins' speculative pitching scenarios into dust the last two weeks. Should they have gone a sixth year on Darvish? Uh, what should they offer for Chris Archer? They reportedly made an offer for Chris Archer a couple weeks ago. And we can keep grinding it into dust all we want, but one simple fact remains. If they don't add a meaningful playoff rotation caliber starting pitcher before the season starts, and they're already practicing and working out in Fort Myers, they will not make the playoffs. I mean, that's that's how simple this is. You either overpay via trade or overpay financially, for a Lance Lynn or a Chris Archer or somebody else, or you don't make the playoffs, and you certainly, even if you make one of those deals, you don't belong in the same sentence as the Yankees, the Astros, the Indians. I mean, here are, Tom, the resumes of the teams just, so forget about the Nationals and the Dodgers and the Cubs and the National League. Just the American League teams, the powerhouses, you're going to have to go toe-to-toe with. How about the Yankees? The best bullpen, maybe in the modern era of baseball, everybody strikes out like 14 batters per nine and throws 100 miles an hour. They have two of the best young starting pitchers they've had in a long time. And they have maybe the two best power hitters in the game in Giancarlo Stanton and Aaron Judge. The Astros, best lineup in baseball. Also, Justin Verlander, Dallas Keuchel, Garrett Cole, and Lance McCullers is their number four guy who could start World Series games for you. Indians, Corey Kluber, Cy Young Award, Carlos Carrasco, top 12 pitcher in baseball, bullpen lights out, Red Sox, Chris Sale, David, I mean, those are the teams you have to go toe-to-toe with at some point, and Kyle Gibson is your number two starter right now. Go get somebody. I guess here would be the counter-argument. If you're the Twins regime, and you're in year two, and you're looking at your roster last year and saying, did we overachieve on some level? You would know the stats better than I would in terms of how replicable what they did a year ago would be this season. But if you're thinking we're going to go about this the right way, do you want to overpay? You always overpay for pitching, right? That's the current cycle. The smart teams then you would think are probably the ones paying for hitting right now because it's not being valued as highly. If you're trying to think several steps down the line, and maybe you're thinking eventually it's going to cycle back, pitching will be a little bit more depressed because the numbers will come back to the... Come back to average, right? Yeah, there's always a market inefficiency somewhere, yeah. In other words, are you thinking we're one pitcher away and you should break the bank and go beyond your projections of what you should pay these guys at this point? Nobody wants to hear that if you're a fan thinking, we got to build upon the wild card appearance, we're not that far away, you've got some exciting young players, if you can get somebody like Miguel Sano to be in shape... There's a lot more there. Yeah. Certainly some of the other young players, Byron Buxton showing better in terms of at the plate over the second half of last season. You're thinking, let's take a step forward. Let's pay you, Darvish, $25 million a year or whatever the numbers might have been to be able to bring him in. I mean, the Twins were active. They were in on Darvish. Yeah, I heard from somebody who generally knows what they're talking about that they made a strong offer to CC Sabathia before he went back to the Yankees, too. It's not as if the front office has been sitting on their hands, but do you want that decision at this point, especially knowing that you have a finite budget, ultimately, with ownership for the Twins. Do you want to stretch beyond that? If you're thinking, that might be our ticket to 85 wins and not 95 and not playing for a World Series. So so here's my thought. I think, I think, you, I think you're two playoff rotation caliber pitchers away from 
for sure making the playoffs. If but that's forty to fifty million dollars. Well, but here's how you do it. I think you sign Lance Lynn or Alex Cobb. Those are the two. So now that you Darvish is off the board, and sure. J- Jake Arrieta is 32. He won a signing award two years ago. Scott Boris is his agent. Scott Boris walked into meetings in November or early December at the winter meetings with a binder that said $200 million on it. Why Jake Arrieta at age 32 is somehow worth $200 million. So getting him to come down from like $200 million to how about a two-year deal for $50 million is probably not going to happen. I think if you sign a Lance Lynn on, let's say, a three-year front-loaded, bloated deal with with a fourth-year mutual option or something, and you're going to pay fifty million dollars for that, I'm fine with that. The Twins, the Twins already put nine figures on paper for a U Darvish, so they're willing to spend some money. And I would give up, and we said this on yesterday's show. I would cross Barrios, Buxton, and the number one overall pick from last year's draft, Royce Lewis. I would take those guys off the board, and I would say Tampa, you can pick. So you want Max Kepler. That's the report. They want Max Kepler. You can take Max Kepler and literally any three prospects from our system, any three, other than the number one overall pick from last year, Jose Barrios and Byron Buxton. And we get Chris Archer. That's If I'm Derek Falvey, Thad Levine, that's what I'm telling them. If you wind up with Chris Archer and Lance Lynn and pair that with Irvin Santana starting in May when he comes back and Jose Barrios and a revamp bullpen, you're not in like you're not on the Astros level. You're not on the Yankees level, but you're in, and you could do some damage, especially if Buxton puts together a full season. And the most important thing when it comes to you know this this conversation about how to get from mid 80s to maybe mid 90s or World Series contention, you have to be willing at some point. I mean, you and I. So you and I built this website at 1500ESPN.com, and one of the first major stories that we covered was the 2000 Twins summer when Cliff Lee was available. This is 2010, 2010, almost eight years ago now. Mm -hmm. And the twins had one of the best teams in baseball. It was like a 95 win twins team. And remember who the twins refused to put on the table for Cliff Lee. It was the backup catcher. Well, no, they traded Wilson Ramos for Matt Matt caps, but they refused to put Aaron Hicks on the table for Cliff Lee. Now in retrospect, obviously you'd go back 10 times out of 10 and take this lottery ticket, Aaron Hicks, and say, okay, yeah, I know he's he's finally breaking out now at age 29 or 28. I think would take Cliff Lee in that 2010 playoff run and have a chance against CC Sabathia in the first round of the playoffs. These guys are lottery tickets. These top 10 prospect lists, they're lottery tickets. Royce Lewis isn't as much of a lottery ticket because he's the number one overall pick, and those are like 80 to 90% success rates. But you sh- like you can't be afraid when you have a window to win in baseball to go out and trade three or four, like only in a window to win. I would never do it to rebuild a team that was a 90-loss team. But you went to the playoffs. If you want to get to the next level, look at this as a three- or four-year window opportunity to get a pitcher in his prime and a Chris Archer. So I think they should be but more But this aggressive. might be exactly what they're thinking, too, which is, all right, now you're into some of these guys who are sitting out there in the free agent market that have not signed. The prices naturally are going to come down. You may not be signing the front-line guy. You may not be getting you Darvish, but you might be getting somebody who ultimately on a World Series rotation, slots in as your second or third guy, and you've got him for years to come. I also think you can overlook this. And I know that you don't like fixation on payroll because a lot of people who listen and read about the Twins are completely obsessed with what they're paying. But 2019 is the year that Joe Maurer's contract comes off your books. Mm-hmm. Brian Dozier is entering a contract year, I believe, as well. Yep. You're always going to have some of those young players who are coming up through arbitration. They're going to make more money, whatever. I'm looking at Baseball Reference right now. The Twins have $39 million in guaranteed contracts committed for 2019. That would be the time where all of a sudden you're sitting 
cash-wise on a lot more money that you potentially are going to be able to invest. I have no idea what the free agent pitching market looks like for 2019, but that might be the time where maybe you're stretching a little further, your young players have developed a little bit more, maybe you're more willing to say, okay, this is where we're going to cut the bigger check. Yeah, it is. You know, the, and, and it's possible Maurer comes back on a lesser deal, but yeah, that He's money not making eighteen books. million again. Here's what's, like, the the biggest contract gaffe that the Terry Ryan regime made, and it was near the end, was the contract extension for Phil Hughes, who makes like thirteen million dollars to rehab multiple surgeries. Um, and he's so it's possible that Phil Hughes, if you traded for Chris Archer, for instance. Phil Hughes would make more rehabbing and trying to get back in the game than Chris Archer will make. Chris Archer, and the reason why he's so valuable, and he's not he's not in that top tier. He's not a Chris Sale or a or a you know or a Corey Kluber, but he's like the twelfth or fifteenth best starting pitcher in baseball and one of the top strikeout guys, which you severely lack since Johan Santana left. And he makes thirty five million dollars combined over the next four years into his age 33 season. He signed one of those deals early in his career like Evan mm-hmm. Longoria did. I'll take the $40 million guaranteed and worry about it when I'm 35. And he's probably looking around the league now saying, wait a second, Zach Grinke makes $35 million this year? And I make $35 million total until, I mean, he'll be fine. It's all Monopoly money at some right. point. But let's pause this, come back. Derek Wetmore down in Fort Myers. We'll get an update from him on uh, the first day of pitcher-catcher workouts, and a lot more football speculation, Vikings discussion, quarterback markets with Tom Pelissero from the NFL Network. It's the TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackie and Judd. What is this? Mackie and Judd now continue. Okay, thank you. On 1500 ESPN. And this portion of Mackie and Judd with Mackie and Pelissero is sponsored by Metafast. Well, amateur move there. Helps to turn the microphones on. Uh, Derek, you all right, Patrick? Uh, that's that's the other problem. Forgetting to turn it off when you get to a commercial break. Ah, what's up with these? <laughs> Dive to shut it off. Derek Wetmore is down. At, speaking of Patrick, Wetmore is uh, roommates with Patrick Royce down in Fort Myers these days, which Tom and I have both been mm-hmm. in the past. How is uh, How's day three rooming with Patrick? Well, yesterday we got to watch most of Gophers Michigan State, but by the end we were channel switching to go to the Westminster Dog Show. Wow. So we had a good time with that. Wow, how about that? You guys just sitting there, were you eating you were eating carrots and Patrick was eating uh what, frozen pizza? I got a big fat burger on Pat's recommendation yesterday actually. But I got to say uh, he's not joking about his interest in the dog show. He pays attention all the way through, and he was not too thrilled with the selection <laughs> of the Bichon Frise. Let me guess. The ride with Royce is going to have four guests to talk about the Westminster dog show today. <laughs> I don't know, but almost definitely. So you and I have uh, a bunch of new stuff on the Touch em All podcast feed that people can find wherever you would subscribe to podcasts. We we broke down whether the Twins should have gone further on you, Darvish. Another one coming out this morning, speculating on Chris Archer. But, but Derek, Tom and I were just talking last segment. We can grind this pitcher speculation into dust. We can, we, can, you know, we can dive deep into financials and who would you give up. The bottom line is, and you tell me you know, to what degree you agree or disagree, if you don't add a significant upgrade at starting pitcher via trade or signing – you can to me you can a forget about the Yankees and the Astros and the Indians and that and that collection of great teams in the American League. I think B you can forget about the playoffs. Yes, 100% agree. I think it's over if you don't add another starting pitcher. And I'll couch that a little bit by saying that 
I think what the goal here would be to do is add a starting pitcher basically as soon as possible. It doesn't have to be Jake Arrieta level, but you need competence because right now you look at the depth chart and it's just, it's not a competitive group. I think they have depth in the bullpen. The starting rotation though leaves you wanting. And I think the twins feel that way too. They're going to be hurried here to sign a starting pitcher. Uh, Some of it can be alleviated by Irvin Santana coming back and then, there's the thought that maybe you just try to hang around in the postseason race until the trade deadline, and that's when you make the big swing for a trade uh, to try and go get an ace like a Chris Archer or something like that. But i got to be honest with you. When I look at this group in the starting rotation, I don't think they'll be in, co- like in the race at all come postseason or come um, trade deadline time to even think about loading up for that. So I agree with you 100% that, it's time to sign somebody, and you missed out on you, Darvish, so it doesn't have to be that level. You've got to get some form of confidence uh, in the starting rotation because otherwise you're looking at Barreos, Gibson, Mejia, question mark, question mark, question mark. It's uh, it's not a pretty picture right now, and I think the Twins are going to start to sweat here soon. Yeah, so I, I might be putting you on the spot with this question, but two of the top pitching prospects in the organization, and I saw that uh, I saw one of them was out working out Fernando Romero is a guy that uh, maybe maybe he's not a household name for, for Twins fans like Byron Buxton was coming out to the system. But what can you tell us? What you know, what do people around the organization say about Fernando Romero and Steven Gonsalves? Upside, personalities. Like, do, have you heard much about them either in the early days of spring training here or even the last couple of years? Just a quick snapshot on each of them because um, I don't have extensive knowledge, but Romero – is a guy with a big fastball. We saw him last spring, and he dealt with some injuries, which is probably why he's not a household name. He's a legitimate pitching prospect, but had missed a lot of time with several different injuries. And he's back now. He's fully healthy. He's nominally in competition for the starting rotation. I'd be surprised if he doesn't start the year in the minors. Maybe works his way up at some point this year. Um, but with him, you're talking big fastball. It looks like saw him this morning. Looks like he's maybe added a few pounds. He's got that. Uh, he's the, he's one of the guys with the shoulders, you know, where he he can add a few pounds and you don't necessarily see it. Um, Gonsalves, on the other hand, doesn't have a big fastball. He's more of a, I don't know, I don't want to call him a deceptive guy, but he's the lefty that is going to rely on cunning to get you out. Um, but not to say that he's a soft tosser that can't get anybody out because he ran up some pretty impressive strikeout rates in the high minors last year. He is a guy who I think legitimately could break camp with the team, although I still think that's uh, less than an ideal scenario if you're the Twins. In an ideal world, both of those guys start in the high minors and force their way up to the major league sometime midsummer. Yeah. Uh, what are some of your other observations? I see there's bullpens, everyone's snapping photos, and so it's it's kind of – I'm just kind of trying to recognize some of the young pitchers who are in camp for the first time here, but what are yeah. some of the other things that you're – observing as pitchers and catchers work out for the first time? Well, a real goal of mine today, Phil, is to stay off those Twitter accounts that just retweet bad reporter spring training photos. Like, <laughs> you know, you're zoomed in from 50 yards away through a chain link fence, taking a picture of, you know, Alex Kirloff on the minor league field or something. And like there are accounts that just track that activity. So I'll have you taken the obligatory uh, standing in the press box shot of the infield in Hammond stadium? Like, have you done that one yet that everyone posts every year? Oh yeah. That was the first thing I did when of I got course. down here, picked up my bag at baggage claim and I ran to the press box to get that photo to make sure I had it. Um, you asked for observations though, and I'll just give you some quick ones. But last year we spent a lot of time wringing our hands over the bullpen and 
man, how are they going to get out in the late innings? I think the Twins have more or less fixed that problem in the 7th, 8th, and ninth innings um, with some of their free agent signings this year and Trevor Hildenberger's emergence last year. But the thing that's impressed me just watching the first day of bullpens here is the Twins are going to have a lot of interesting options in sort of that back end of the bullpen. So watching guys like, you know, even Jake Reed and John Curtis and Alan Buznitz, guys who, in my book, aren't locks to make the team by any means, but you watch them throw a bullpen, and it's pretty impressive. Uh, these guys have heat. They've got some – even just on the first day, when you have pinpoint control of multiple different pitch, pitches, it, that kind of stands out to me. I'm guarded to not read too much into it this early in spring training, obviously, but you start looking at the names on the candidate list for the Twins' bullpen, and I think it's a lot longer than we've seen in recent years. That's that's a really good sign for the Twins, who frankly needed some help in their bullpen last year. Derek, I know position players are not down there in Fort Myers yet, but Miguel Sano is certainly an interesting case in terms of coming back from his leg surgery, was not playing, was certainly not himself down the stretch of last season, also under investigation for an alleged assault. I know the Twins say that he's going to report on time. He's cleared to participate in spring training. But realistically, as they look out into the 2018 season, taking all of that into account, what are they expecting to get or hoping to get from Miguel Sano? Yeah, I think that you asked the question perfectly because there's a difference between expectations and hope. I mean, in a perfect world, Tom, they would get a healthy Miguel Sano back for 140, 150 games at third base. And he'd hit 40 home runs and he'd cut down on the strikeout rate. But it just seems like a a far-fetched dream scenario at this point. Um, In terms of expectations, I think that they've been very careful to couch uh, their their steadfast belief in him in the past. And when they'd say things like, you know, we we are 100 percent, um, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but that we're on his side. We're uh, teammates in this endeavor to give him the best career possible. We think he's a good defensive third baseman. He can be an asset there. To now, when Sad Levine was asked yesterday a question about Sano's conditioning, he said, we're hopeful that he stays on track and that he's ready for opening day, not necessarily for the start of spring training. So you throw in the off-the-field questions plus, the ongoing conditioning questions. This is a a dark moment for Sano in terms of his career arc. And I really feel like it could go one of two ways. If he takes a turn for the bad, he's a slugging player who strikes out all the time and has, shall we say baggage questions follow him throughout his career. If he takes a turn in the right direction, He's a perennial all-star, one of the premier sluggers in baseball, and he could play a good third base. There's a pretty wide gap between those two things, so it's hard to say exactly what the Twins' expectations are, but I think they're hopeful they still have a young star on their hand. I also don't want to minimize the the off-the-field issues. He's facing a, a fairly serious allegation, and Major League Baseball is looking into it. In terms of their support of him as a person and the information, which I'm sure the Twins have tried to gather, is there any sense that whether it's based upon the information the Twins have or whatever Major League Baseball might come up with, that they would be forced or would be urged to sever ties with Miguel Sano? Well, that's right. Don't want to minimize it, but the extent of my knowledge, Tom, is that's not an option at this point. That's not something that the Twins um, at least would be privy to. One of the reasons is because Major League Baseball and the Players Association collectively bargained so that the team 
doesn't have any involvement, that it intentionally removes the team from the parts of the investigation uh, that are that are relevant here. And the reason for that is so, you know, Falvey, Paul Molitor, GM Thad Levine, these guys aren't giving daily status updates on Miguel Sano. Everything I've heard from interviews and then just kind of checking around on background too is they don't know. Major League Baseball is handling it in, intentionally privately, and the basic word is we'll let you know when we know if we come up with something. So it's kind of a, I mean, it, it's an unfortunate spot for Sano. It's an unfortunate spot for the alleged victim. It's an un- unfortunate spot for the Twins. But the the reality of the situation as it stands right now is Major League Baseball is trying to collect evidence, and basically they'll let the Twins know once they have a decision. Derek Wetmore down in Fort Myers. You can find all of his written work at 1500ESPN.com and our Touch Em All podcast. If you're not subscribed already, we're hitting you over the head with a bunch of speculation and news from Fort Myers. So go find that on 1500ESPN.com as well or anywhere you would subscribe to podcasts. All right. Uh, what's, uh, what's on the viewing docket for you and Pat tonight? Gosh, I haven't even checked the schedule. I know we've got uh, Arizona State and Arizona Tomorrow, I believe that is that big uh, Pac-12 game. But uh, I think now with the dog show over and Pat not being a huge Olympics fan, hmm. uh, maybe, gosh, is there a hockey game we can force him to watch or something? I mean, I, I would recommend if you're looking for, for ice sports, I think ice dancing might start tonight on, like, ah, CNBC. Okay. So well, I'll make sure we set the DVR. Okay. Yeah, I just want to, uh, you know, give you a heads up. Bye, Derek. Thanks, guys. Derek Wetmore, find his stuff. Uh, Pelissero is hanging out with us. Ice dancing's right where I draw the line, by the way. That's where you draw the line. Let's take robot the most... skiing. Isn't though, which is what we're this watching. This robot on your skiing right video is unbelievable. Uh, no, that's foreshadowing you... for like ten years down the road when all of us are replaced. Let's take every Olympic sport and eliminate the most exciting part. Let's do snowboarding in the half pipe, but they just kind of go back and forth. Back and forth that's yeah. ice dancing. Ice skating without the jumps. I think what that, am I watching? I, think, I love footwork. I don't know about you. I love footwork. I think that and then your idea of adding another person to one apparatus, like the doubles luge, now I you, really think that has some potential for traction. Give me ice dancing and both people are wearing one pair of skates. One now you're on to something. Skates, yes. Or you just have one person like a koala bear holding on to the other one while they skate. <laughs> I think that would work. I've watched that over it, ice dancing. It's a triple axel. Wait, had to stop after a half rotation. Dave, what's coming up in stuff next? Well, I've got some other Olympic nuggets to get to and I've got my own thoughts on the dog show and you ask for it, you get it. Judbot 3000 with thoughts on Valentine's Day. Awesome. Before we do anything... Uh, the Chris Lindahl team has a big thank you to the Mackie and Judd listeners. You guys have responded in a very nice way to uh, my messages here going back a year ago when I made a lot more money off the sale of my condo than I originally thought because of the great team, the Chris Lindahl team, which is the number one REMAX results team in America. And here's the big thank you. Someone's going to win a free listing side commission between now and March 16th. One lucky Mackie and Judd listener. And if you want to enter, so this is all the marketing bells and whistles, everything for free. You're going to get a free listing side commission between now and March 16th. If you go to chrislindahl.com, that's Chris with a K, or call 763-401-SOLD. We're talking about social media, all of the possible marketing avenues that you can ever imagine that create a competitive environment for your home. 
763-401-SOLD, chrislindahl.com. That's Chris with a K. Mackie and Judd are back. Come on, boys. We're going to do it again. <laughs> On 1500 ESPN. And stuff you should know about is sponsored by Progressive Insurance. Progressive Insurance committed to offering a streamlined shopping experience where home and auto can be bundled together. Now, that's Progressive. Learn more at Progressive.com or 1-800-PROGRESSIVE. And now, ladies and gentlemen, please rise. Men, remove your caps as we honor America and the Twin Cities sports scene with the playing of Stuff You Should Know About. All right, we got Tom Pelissero in the house dropping NFL and Vikings knowledge for the rest of the show here. Judd on vacation. Dave Harrigan with some stuff we should know about in the TCL broadcast studios. Judd on vacation, but the Juddbot 3000 stepping in and doing a very nice job breaking down the wild for us earlier. We really appreciated that from Juddbot 3000. Well, Tom asked for it. What does Judd Juddbot 3000 feel about the big day today? Valentine's Day, Feb 14th, huh? It's a big one. Yeah. It is, yeah. The weird thing is when you talk about Valentine's Day, for whatever reason, Judbot 3000 gets a little bit softer in the voice. Kind of, it gets more of a female voice. I don't know, maybe the day is for women, I guess. Oh, I'm really? Sure, Interesting. Yeah, it's okay. strange how that works, but I think the sentiment is still you know, how, how it would come out of Judd's uh, own mouth. So here we go, Judbot 3000. This was going to be so good if it played. Come on, Judbot Come on. 3000. Well, how about how about we hear about Judd Women B- want you to make reservations at an expensive restaurant. Buy overpriced flowers, candy, and other crap. <laughs> that was like half of it. That was pretty good. Good. Well, well let's go back to Judbot's thoughts on hockey last night. Here's the issue with this team. You're at home against the Rangers, who are a bad team. You take a three to nothing lead, which you should. Good for you. Now it's time to step on their throats. Not let them get back in the game like this bunch of dogs always does. <laughs> Thanks, Judbot. Let's try this one. Here's how you celebrate Valentine's Day the Judd way. Don't do the fancy dinner. Don't do the stupid heart-shaped box of chocolates. That's all a bunch of crack and lies. Here's what you do. What you do is this. Go to a bar, get drunk and see what happens. You either end up in a fight or in bed together. <laughs> That's how you find out if you're really in love. <laughs> Wait, so Judbot wants to go to a bar, get drunk. You either hook up or you or you get in, get a, in fight a fight and it's done. Take away all the nonsense. The vo- I think he's right. I think he's nailed it. She, <laughs> I'm not sure what Judbot 3000 is now. Jud- Judbot did sound a little softer there vocally. Sounded nice, actually. Yeah, very soothing. Speaking mm-hmm. of Valentine's Day, somebody forgot it's Valentine's Day, tweeting, I forgot about it because I'm at the Olympics and I'm single. Anyone else out there single and want to be my Valentine's Day, or my Valentine? Hashtag worth a shot. That was Lindsey Vaughn. 2.3 thousand replies, oh 647 retweets, 600 or 6.6 thousand likes. Was Tiger Woods one of the replies or no? <laughs> no, but there was one guy earlier wearing a Tiger Woods brand hat saying, hey, check this out. <laughs> uh, so has she been in any other relationships since Tiger Woods, do we know, besides with skiing and rehab? Uh, yeah, I, I haven't been keeping up on my Us Weekly. Woo! Fair enough.
That's fair enough. Did you guys see any of the dog show last night or any photos of the winner? Didn't know what was going on until Derek said that him and Pat watched together over dinner. I'm not a dog show guy. I've never watched it. I didn't watch it last night, but I was perusing the blogs this morning and saw who the winner was. It was Flynn, the Bichon Frise. I'm just going to say it. Here's the photo. That's the ugliest dog I've ever seen. Oh, that I, is I disagree. That looks dog. like Tom's uh, Tom's dog, Doug. It does look a little like Doug. Well, I'm sorry. Doug's ugly then. Oh. <laughs> Doug doesn't have the puffed out fro though. Oh God. <laughs> could I mean, you, seriously? Could you get Doug's hair to look more like a, like? That's it, a Bichon Frise. Yes. That's like if Richard Pryor Doug's had a Shih Tzu Bichon. What is he? Shih Tzu Bichon. Okay. So I, don't got I, could, there. I don't know if I could say that uh, 10 times fast without having an FCC violation. Oh, no, the moment I said it, I looked at you like, I hope that came out right. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'm just not a little dog guy. But, she zoo. Oh. <laughs> she zoo? Uh, it looks like if you took Richard Pryor's hair from the late 70s and made it straight white and put it on a dog. That's <laughs> That's the visual there. Uh, as you know, Phil, maybe you've heard uh, this too, Tom. Uh, we played it Monday. Leslie Jones, SNL. Big on the Olympics. She loves going the Mystery Science 3000 or Theater 3000 deal and having it on the TV, having it on the iPad, and just giving her own take on the action. This is her a couple days talking about the biathlon, you may remember. Yeah. Okay, hold on. Hold on now. Um, if I'm not mistaken, uh, these, the, these dudes are skiing with a bow and arrow on their back, right? Okay? And then they're going to stop and shoot? What kind of f- decathlon of death is this? What are they shooting the bow and arrows at? <laughs> this, yo, now at this point, I'm figuring y'all making up events. Y'all making shit up. Well, <laughs> she continues to do it every single night. Last night, she was busy at a premiere, but was able to get back in time to see Sean White's gold medal run in the half pipe, and uh, she broke that down as well. Sean White, last run, son. Come on, homie. Let's do it, baby. Let's do it, baby. Let's do it, baby. What? What? Clinch life. Let's do it, Sean. Yes, it will. Clinch life, baby. Don't you doubt me, baby. Cause we clinch life. We clinch life in the Olympics. La 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 la. Can we can we get this, but with Judd and Law and Order episodes? Can we get can we get something like that? I have a feeling Judd wouldn't be nearly as entertaining. No, I don't think so. You're probably right. Uh, hey, how about that? Uh, how about that hockey team? Rowe slides it across for Little. Little leaves for Zaganetti. His shot is stopped by Kershaw. Rebound. Score. Greenway. Two nothing. United States. Hey, that was the wild prospect putting him up to zip. That was awesome. I saw a little piece today on the NBC Olympics website about how this team really feels. There's a lot to draw, a lot of comparisons to draw between the 1980 Miracle Team. I don't think the 1980 Miracle Team lost to bleeping Slovenia having a two-goal lead in the third period and giving it up on uh, having Slovenia win it in overtime. Yeah, that was kind of a buzzkill. It was 2 nothing, and we looked up, and all of a sudden, like, the game-winning goal was being scored. And then there's just the general buzzkill of no relevant... You know, noteworthy players being on the ice. Other can than can you get excited about it? Um, I mean, we talked about this a little before the show. So I get much more ex- like my peak hockey excitement is NHL players in the Olympics. 
So I, I, I'm more excited for that than most things during the NHL season, other than maybe the Stanley Cup. She finals. would rather have gotten up this morning and watched NHL players in the USA Slovenia game versus yes. Wild Rangers last night. Oh, 100%. In fact, it was four years ago this week. So we started the Mackey and Judd show the day after the Super Bowl 2014, and the Winter Olympics started right. shortly after. And so we'd get to the studio at like six something in the morning just to watch the early morning U.S. matchups or Canada, whatever it was, because it's just NHL stars all over the ice on several different teams. It's not just confined to Canada and the U.S. There's like six teams, Finland, with a bunch of NHL players. And it's wider ice sheet. It's more fun. So if you, because if you think back to the Miracle on Ice, right, the most memorable Olympic hockey game in U.S. history, that was a team of amateur players for the U.S., would it have gotten the same attention in 2018? In other words, is this reflective upon us as society that there is not the same sort of sports nationalism where the mere fact that you beat... Now, granted, USSR, I understand. It was pro players for Russia. It's part of the Cold War, and it's pro players for Russia, and they had won consecutively over and over. It was a huge shocker. Would that, would that resonate the same way now if... This upstart team. I mean, there's also a difference, too, where you've got just kind of this bad news bears quality, too, where it's like Brian Gianta just didn't resign in the NHL so he can play in this. And here's a bunch of other 33-year-old guys who last were with the Hartford AHL team. Yeah, I think on one hand, like, obviously, we're more divided now as a country, and our patriotism is different now than it was in in 1980 for a a million different reasons. But at the same time, we tend to over-exaggerate recency bias and the feeling we have after a sporting event or something happens now more than ever because social media and sports talk radio. So if something huge did happen, I think we'd blow it out of proportion more now than 1980. Uh, But there's really no format in which it, it would be like if now if Team Canada had their NHL players and the U.S. brought a bunch of amateur college junior players and beat Canada for the gold medal. But like if we were at war maybe with Canada or something like that's the only equivalent. Are we not? I mean, psychologically, yes. We absolutely. just need another good Cold War. That's all. We do. Get a Cold War. Olympic excitement will be it back means where it more. should be. Yes. yes. Mackie and Judd, Tom Pelissero hanging out with us. Plenty more football discussion and uh, Viking speculation ahead. Uh, renters, wow, wow. That's the second time wow. I've done that. Easy, Phil. TCL Broadcast Studios. Mackie and Judd. Phil Mackie. He tried to be so polished. As a broadcaster, he says weird stuff. But it's almost funny at times. Judd Zolgad. Just from a baseball perspective, I really enjoy him. Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. You think you like the snowboard halfpipe? Todd Richards doesn't just like the snowboard halfpipe. He loves it. Oh, my Lord. How perfect can you possibly land? Here comes a giant backside Della McTwist 1260. That was cute. Half pipe! Backside! Woo! Flip! Big twist! Woo! Bite! Curling! Skeleton! The Nordic Combined! It's time to break down sports we see once every four years. It's Winter Olympic Talk with Mackie and Judd. You know what? This is... Judd is great, and Judd's a huge part of the show. But what I love is Tom's enthusiasm for the Olympics. I mean, Judd just drags our enthusiasm for the Olympics down, and he doesn't want to even get into it. 
I mean, Tom's finding videos of robots skiing. He's all in on the double luge. Uh, we got hockey on before the show here. The Olympic spirit is bright with Tom Pelissero. I'm just watching the robot video over and over. It's so good. <laughs> They're so bad. Why can't they ski better? Is that how they test out, like, the alpine ski hills? All right, let's send a robot down to see if the robot gets, like, slammed into a tree at 90 miles an hour. And I don't mean to in any way demean the technological advances that even make this possible. Like, it's unbelievable. I, I'm not in any way saying that somehow the robotics advancements that allow these things to even have a chance of skiing are not incredible <laughs> and also kind of frightening. But, like, when they dress up this robot that they probably spent five years developing they get him his own homemade like patagonia jacket the whole thing and then he crashes into the first gate and falls on his face it was like what did we spend that 20 million dollars on vonbot 3000 needs some work (laughs) no the vonbot 3000 would definitely crash into something i broke my leg reconstructive surgery where's tiger i don't think we've received like of all the things we get angry emails about on this show our ripping a couple days ago of cross-country skiing has generated more feedback from emailers, like diehard cross-country skiers. So, Tom, we all said the other day, we don't understand the appeal of cross-country skiing, that these guys are out there, these Olympians, for an hour on some of these courses, and they all look like they want to die or are dying or have died. And aside from a couple minutes in FIAD class back in the day, I'm thinking, like, of all the activities I could do outside – Cross-country skiing has to be pretty low. Have you ever gotten into cross-country skiing? No. Cross-country running, anything that would be torturous. No, I had a lot of friends in high school who ran cross-country, and I thought it was the craziest thing ever. You come back from running 10 miles, and then you drink like eight gallons of water. Oh, my God. Like, this seems like a good way to live from September to November. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So keep the uh, keep the emails coming. If you are a cross country skier, we will give you. Oh, I get it. I mean, it's the same footing. The same reason people run marathons, right? It's the ultimate test of endurance, and you're trying. You're pushing your body to the absolute limit. I mean, you're doing anything on the Olympic stage. That's incredible. Somebody invited us to it's, go up north. It's and not try it my out. idea of fun. I'm not going to run a marathon. If I do one mile on the hotel treadmill, I feel like I've done pretty well, and that's walking half of it. I'm pass my, my, yeah, my ability, my endurance is not uh, at its all-time peak right now. But even yeah, even in like high school, you'd have those runs, right, where you had to run three miles or whatever it was like your fitness test. Did you guys the ever, worst day of the year? Did you guys ever have to do the uh, the pool fitness test where they make you like they throw you in the deep end and you're like a sixth grader and you have to tread water for 20 minutes without dying or drowning? So they did that at my middle school, but I can't swim. So I told them that, and they just go, okay, just stand in the shallow end. Which is kind of <laughs> counterintuitive when you think, this is the test. You need to be able to pass this. Oh, you can't do it? Okay, just forget it. Wait, so and that was it. Because they didn't want to have a death on their hands. So, uh, A, did you pass the class? Of course. Which seems unfair to the kids who had to tread water for That's what I mean, is it's like, you have to do this, unless you can't, in which case that's completely fine. <laughs> and-